welcome to Shoot the Flick, an official Paradoja podcast. I'm Frankie Sparks. And I'm Scott Eisenberg. And we are a married couple who like to shoot the shit about movies. That is true. That is true. And if you heard that music, it's killer clown time. <laughs> yes, Scott is showing me killer clowns from outer space this week. Scott, why are you showing me this? Because the first week of August is National Clown Week, so it's the perfect time for killer clowns from outer space. I don't know if anyone would say any specific time is the perfect time for killer clowns from outer space, but uh, this is a movie that exists, a cult classic, as the kids call it, and um, I I had fun with it. Yes, it is a lot of fun. It is a goofy, funny movie ripping on 50s movies, a sneaky remake of The Blob, from 1950s, but that's another story. This movie, which was released in 1988, was directed by Stephen Kyoto and written by Stephen and Charles Kyoto, making up two of the three Kyoto brothers. The third brother, Edward, also had some contributions to the script. But these guys are a well-known team of special effects artists Born in the good old Bronx of New York. Yeah, boy. Not too far from where we reside. These guys, they they specialize a lot in uh, clay modeling and creature creation and stop motion, animatronics, stuff like that. They worked on movies like Critters, uh, Ernest Scared Stupid, Team America, Pee-wee's Big Adventure, and many, many much more. Yes, they have a lot of friends in... the world of movies and they are they're a funny bunch the origin of this movie Stephen Kyoto was driving randomly at night stopped at a stoplight looked over to his left to see a man driving a car in a clown suit and he went back home to his brothers and said you know what there's nothing more scary than a clown in a place it doesn't belong which is true <laughs> so Frankie Before we get into the nitty and the gritty, what are your initial thoughts on killer clowns from outer space? Um, you know, I'm a fan of B-movies slash so-bad-it's-good type movies. I wouldn't say this is a so-bad-it's-good because similarly to Mars Attacks, which we talked about a while ago, it's very tongue-in-cheek and self-aware of its cheesy B-moviness. I I was very, like, skeptical about it going in, because I'm like, really? Like, killer clowns from outer space? It's it's insane title. Insane. I will gladly give you that. And from what I know about it, I'm like, oh, jeez. Like, they're just big, creepy-looking clown costumes killing people with cotton candy and shit. Like, what are we doing? Okay. Oh, I guess I'll watch it. But... You know, I was able to kind of turn my brain off and fall into the B-movie-ness of it, and I I enjoyed it. I had a good time. This would be one of those perfect movies to be like a midnight movie with a bunch of friends. Sure, yeah. It's definitely better with a crowd, I would say. I also really like movies that are kind of bare bones and just a ragtag group of kids making a movie together, you know, uh, with a shoestring budget and a song in their hearts. And this movie definitely falls into that category. The budget was around $2 million, and apparently the Kyotos pulled a lot of favors from different people, different friends, to get the funds for this movie. And despite its complete bizarreness, it has a 75% critic score on Rotten Tomatoes, which I was kind of surprised by. <laughs> but um, you definitely get a, a ragtag fun vibe from it. Yeah. Oh, it's definitely a fun time. So should we get into the nitty and the gritty? Sounds good. We open with this little quaint college town with some kids who just want to go get drunk and make out at the top of the world. We get our first look at Mooney, our asshole cop. Yeah, he is 
the second villain character next to the titular killer clowns but he's played by john vernon who by far i think is the most uh well-known actor at least at the time of this movie being made honestly even after this movie he's probably still the most well-known actor yeah from what i could tell in my research he played the mayor in dirty harry and he also played the dean in animal house he did you needed an asshole John Vernon got a call. Yeah, that's definitely, uh, that seems like his shtick. We also meet a couple of the kids in this town, one of which being a guy by the name of Bob McCreed, who is played by Christopher Titus. If you don't know who that is, he is a stand-up comedian. This was his first role ever, and he, he's one of my favorite stand-up comedians. I love being from a screwed-up family because nothing bothers me anymore. Nothing bugs me. Once you've driven a drunk father to mom's parole hearing, what else is there? <laughs> But Bob McCreed is not our main character in this flick. Oh, no, no, no. We must go to the top of the world to meet our two main characters, Mike Tobacco and Debbie Stone. Yes. Mike Tobacco, which is a fucking cool name, I think. It's cool. It's so ridiculous, though. Yeah, for sure. Uh, He's played by Grant Kramer, who, fun fact, played the titular serial killer Willie in Willie's Wonderland, the more recent Nicolas Cage vehicle. I didn't realize he was the fucking weasel. (laughs) And then Debbie Stone is played by Suzanne Snyder. The only other thing I know her from, she's one of the love interests in Weird Science, which Scott has never seen. Don't worry, it's on my list for him for the show. But uh, yeah, they play just a, a cute little couple making out in a car. There's a raft in the car. Indeed there is. Don't ask me why. I don't know, because uh, quirky kids, you well, know how they do. Well, everyone who shows somebody this movie, everybody asks about the raft. <laughs> It's like the fucking spoons in the room. It's like, why are there pictures of spoons everywhere, Tommy was so? And he's just like, oh, it's part of the art. But uh, so the only. You don't get it. But our two main leads, as they're making out, suddenly the Terenzi brothers show up in an ice cream truck. Oh my god. Yeah. Rich and Paul Terenzi, played by Michael Siegel and Peter Lacasse, respectively. They. At the time, we're an established L.A. comedy duo, and oh boy, are they a comedy duo. (laughs) Apparently, when they tried out for the roles of the Terenzi brothers, they came in doing a comedy bit, and as they were doing the comedy bit, they started stripping into ballerina outfits under their clothes. And that apparently killed the Kyoto brothers and they got the roles. I mean, good for them. Listen, they got the Seinfeld-esque, what's the deal with airline food vibe going on. They're just, they're two comedians that are doing bits constantly. And they're meant to be doing bits because they're clearly the comic relief in this film. But it's just so obvious 24-7 that they're doing bits. (laughs) Well, yeah, we know they're the comic relief. Because they show up in an ice cream truck offering free ice cream. Their bit is their horn dogs, and this is their best idea to get women is to offer them free ice cream. They drive away pretty quickly after getting beer cans thrown at them. But in the sky is a comet that flies by. Can we pretend that airplanes in the night, night sky, sky like, like shooting stars? stars. <laughs> I can really use a wish right now, wish right now, wish right now. That's a deep cut there, kids. Oh, you yeah. You don't remember that song? <laughs> We're watching Killer Clowns from Outer Space and fucking Airplanes is a deep cut. I mean, that's that's a fair <laughs> statement, yeah. What's funny, though, is like immediately uh, right off the bat, you get the sense that like this is a play on the old like 50s type horror movies because the levels of awkward stilted ass dialogue in this movie is just hysterical <laughs> but yeah that's the point like, that's the whole point of this is it's that's like oh the- hi there betty like <laughs> what are you doing today you want to go steady you want to go necking in the back seat of my raft i mean my car <laughs> like it's just it's awkward and stilted but also like loud <laughs> like unnaturally loud in volume i honestly think the worst 
our worst culprit. Uh, he's not even the culprit. It's what he was supposed to do was Mike Tobacco. Right, exactly. Yeah, he's definitely the poster child for 50s acting, which for this, it works. But it's just, it, it caused me to laugh out loud multiple times throughout the film. Oh, yeah, it's hysterical. It's That's the whole point of it. Debbie sees this comet fly by and she goes, Mike, let's go follow the comet. Mike's like, really? Do we have to? And she's like, yeah, let's do it. So they're off to go follow the comet. We cut to an old man and his dog who also see the comet. Oh, my God. This old man, Farmer Gene Green. He's 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 something. He's got the the bad southern accent. It's so bad, but it's it's very unique in its badness. To me, it sounded like he was doing an old man southern version of Shaggy Rogers from Scooby Doo. Because every sentence he did, and it like kind of like this, like oh no, what are we gonna do, Scoop? I also love that his dog was named Pooh Bear. Oh, yeah, that was cute, too. His poor doggy. He, he of course, has to go follow the comet as well because he's like, it's gonna, it's Haley's comet, and it crashed on Earth. It's going to make me rich. Okay, yeah, the logic in that is really sound there, sir, but okay. Our country old man here goes and finds a big top circus tent. And he's as like, you do in the middle of nowhere. And he's like, huh, the circus is in town. I wonder how you get in. And he's walking around. Who gets kidnapped and killed, and he does shortly after as well. And we get our first look at the clowns, and they look repulsive. Yeah, super duper creepy. And like clowns are creepy just in general for the most part. I mean, they're used a lot in horror movies and horror shows and stuff like that. But these take it to another level. <laughs> oh yeah, they look very bad. But the design on these clowns and killer clowns from outer space is particularly unique and particularly fucking creepy. So you can definitely tell the Kyoto brothers specialize in creature creation and modeling and stuff like that. So another fun story that the Kyoto's told that I found very funny is when they were going to pitch the movie to the studios, they went with all these models, all these drawings. They walked into the guy and were like, Hey, okay, we're here to pitch you killer clowns from outer space. And he's like, I like the title. You got your money. They didn't even show him anything they had. He just liked the title of killer clowns from outer space. Oh, that's so funny. And you know what's interesting, too? I found a little nugget that kind of relates to that in my research. The original title before Killer Clowns from Outer Space was just Killer Clowns. And they decided to add the outer space part so that people wouldn't think that the film was just a slasher. And I'm sure this was 88, so like slasher movies were kind of... Waning. They were still there, but they were on the downswing. Right. So I could understand why they would want to set themselves apart. So Mike Tobacco and Debbie show up and also find this giant tent. And Debbie starts, like, going, um, okay, let's go. Let's get the fuck out of here. Well, that's, okay, that pissed me off. Let me, let me step in here. So, the woman, she comes in and she's dispensing her intuition. Us, us women, we got the intuition, you see. Yes. And when the women's got the intuition, the men's is supposed to listen, okay? But the men's in this movie did not listen, oh no. Debbie goes, oh, I think this is a bad idea. We should just leave. And fucking Mike Tabaki is like, oh, no, babe. Come on, let's go. It's a circus. We're going to have a great time. This is going to be so cool. This is and, this is the European circus. El Fantastic. Yeah, and it's like, okay, why are you so into this? Like, you, you were just fucking having a grand old time making out on a raft in the backseat of your car. Like, go back over there. What are you going to do with an empty circus tent? And, like, they go in and they're just talking loud as fuck about nonsense. And the further they go into the tent, I'm just like, okay, has it not piqued anyone's concern that no one has come out no employees of this circus have come 
come out to be like, excuse me, this is private property. No. Like, all right. Typical fucking dumbass horror movie bullshit. But okay. But the point is, Debbie, multiple times throughout this whole sequence, is like, we should go. Come on, let's leave. And fucking Mike Tobacco is like, nah, nah, babe. I'm going to show you the circus. Come on, babe. Follow me. Let me and my swinging dick lead you to paradise. It's like, okay, please stop this. <laughs> While they're doing this, we cut back to the town where Mooney has arrested two kids. He arrests them for drinking wine in the park. Oh, yeah. This is basically just establishing that Mooney is an old cunt, but it's also introducing another one of our main characters, Dave, who is a deputy at the police department. And he's played by John Allen Nelson. I don't have anything for him. (laughs) I don't have anything for him. He might have just been, you know, Romeo in the town hall stage production of Romeo and Juliet. (laughs) Perhaps Tybalt. He seems more like a Tybalt to me. I don't think he's funny enough to be Tybalt, but hey, it's fine. We meet Dave and he's a new age cop. He's learned the sensitivity training. He's one of them millennials, you know. The millennials of the <laughs> 80s. And he's like, Mooney, you should do these things by the book. You can't beat up people you arrest. Mooney, have you ever heard of TikTok? <laughs> it's a great app, Mooney. <laughs> so yeah, Mooney arrests these two kids, throws them in jail. Dave is annoyed with Mooney for being an asshole. So now we cut back to the tent. Another thing that I found really stupid <laughs> about these fucking characters. I'm really enjoying talking about how dumb they are. They walk into this room in the tent, which it kind of reminded me of the TARDIS from Doctor Who, because it seems like it's bigger on the inside. <laughs> but um, they they walk into this big fucking room, and Mike Tobacco is like, oh, what is this place? Is it a nuclear plant? Is it a military base? And I'm just like, um, no, dummy. Why would they dress up a fucking military base to look like a fucking... Circus tent. Yeah. Like, that doesn't make any sense, you moron. But then also, five seconds later, Debbie turns to him and she's like, I know what this is. It's the shooting star that we saw. We're in it right now. And I'm like, okay, that's right. But that's also a really big leap to make. (laughs) Like, what? Oh, that doesn't. Okay. Whatever. (laughs) Yeah. So part of this design of this circus tent inside it's like two sounds that's redesigned constantly but it's also partially matte paintings yeah that was really cool and the matte paintings give like this whole grand look to it and i'm like this is actually really nice yeah I'm, i feel like a lot of sci-fi movies especially from like the 80s utilize matte paintings in a really cool way i miss a good matte painting well, in movies well you look at that like another one when we did uh so I married an axe murderer. Mm-hmm. When they get to the poet's hotel, yeah, there's a map painting there showing the hotel. Yeah, yeah, and that looks really cool. Like when it's done right, it looks really cool. So they quickly are running around, and you start seeing these little cotton candy balls. Some might call them cotton candy cocoons. Some might. The amount of times that the phrase cotton candy cocoons is used, like, that would be a great drinking game for this. Every time someone says cotton candy cocoons, you take a little shot. (laughs) Oh, God. You might die. But they're, they're walking around and they realize these cotton candy cocoons have people in them. Oh, yeah. Like, right before he rips one open and sees a fucking dead person inside debbie goes to mike and she she keeps trying to get him to leave and like say like this is concerning like we should go and she says no one stores cotton candy like this (laughs) as if to like convince him that like that's why there's something wrong here like when's the last time you saw a mound of cotton candy in the shape of a cocoon just hanging there like a slab of meat they run into a clown and it starts their chase out of the tent where we get some funny clown gags. They shoot popcorn at them. Popcorn? Why? Popcorn! Because the clowns, that's why. Fun fact, the popcorn gun that they used throughout this movie was the most expensive prop for the film, totaling $7,000 and taking six weeks to build. Yeah, so they get shot with popcorn. They get chased by a balloon dog. 
the funny, clever stuff with this movie, like all the clowny jokes that kind of get twisted around to make them more horror-centric. I like that. It's fun and cute. One of the creepy clowns takes out a balloon and twists it up to make a little doggy, and it goes and starts chasing them through the woods. There's a question that a lot of people also ask throughout this movie. Why are these clowns here? And they give a couple explanations later on in the movie of like, did they stop here for a bite to eat? (laughs) Or uh, maybe they were here years ago, and that's where we get our basis of clowns from. Because that would explain why they look like clowns and why clowns are familiar to us, but they're fucking aliens from outer space. Another interesting thing that I want to mention here, because this is where I really started to notice it. The score for this movie is really, really fun. Oh, it's great. Like, it's one of the most notable scores, I feel like, that we've talked about on the show. And it's so weird because the guy that composed it, John Massari... This is really the most notable thing he's ever done. Like, he's done other things, but nothing nearly as notable as this, which is crazy. This score, though, is so rock and roll and, like, electronic. It's what we say all the time about scores on this show. It's like, it's supposed to act in conjunction with the story and kind of support it along its way. And sometimes, in its best form, it can be like its own character. After Mike and Debbie get away, the clowns start going towards the town. There's a shot here, I don't know if you saw it, where they show the clown shadows as they're marching. And the reason they did this shot is because they were rushing shooting and they had to get this shot done, but none of the clowns had their shoes on yet. So they did this shadow shot that is just a cool looking shot. But the clowns start marching to town following Mike Tobacco and Debbie. They're having an argument in the car where Debbie's like, what do we do now? Should we go to the police? He goes, what are we going to tell them? Clowns are killing people? Oh, yeah. Clowns are killing people and encasing them in cotton candy. And it's like, wow, that's literally the only intelligent thing Mike Tobacco has said so far. Even though that's actually what's happening. It's like, yeah, no shit. Like, no one's going to fucking believe that. It's insanity. Yeah, like, if you go tell a cop that, they might put you in jail. Because you sound like you're on drugs. But they do go to the police. They meet up with Dave. And it turns out Debbie and Dave are exes. Ooh, drama. They're telling him about, you know, the killer clowns. And Mooney has such a great line here. Because as they're telling him, Mooney walks up and goes, Ah, killer clowns from outer space. Ah, ah, He said it. He said it. Oh, yeah. he, He comes in and he's like, Huh. Killer clowns from outer space. Holy shit. (laughs) It's like, okay, you asshole. And then also, when Mike and Debbie are telling Dave about everything that they just experienced, they're telling him about the cotton candy cocoons, and they literally go, cotton candy cocoons. Cocoons? Yeah, you know, cocoons. It's like a fucking Abbott and Costello bit. Like, I don't know. Like, what are you doing? They've do after saying people have been murdered convince dave to come with them to at least go investigate and mooney's not having it he's not having it he's like you know what you go be a fucking dummy no one's making a dummy out of mooney foreshadowing (laughs) we start getting some of the clowns in the town uh we get a puppet show clown who uh Puts on a nice little puppet show until he laser kills somebody into a cotton candy cocoon. Every time we say cotton candy cocoon in this fucking episode. Have a drink. Yeah, that's what everyone needs to do right now. I don't care what you're doing. If you're, you know, in bed half asleep. If you're driving down the highway, pull the fuck over. (laughs) No, I'm kidding. Don't do that. So after this. We also get a, a clown in the convenience store fucking around. We get a couple gags of clowns ringing doorbells as pizza delivery guys or Valentine's Day deliveries killing people. They're fun kills. The pizza delivery one is quite funny to me. It's funny because the girl 
who is I feel isn't she like in a bikini or something? I think she's in uh, like a tight shirt she's and in like some bikini kind pant of tight, Yeah, she's in kind of some kind of tight garb to really accentuate the breasts because you know this is an 80s horror movie she opens the door with like a glass of wine in her hand and she sees someone at the door with a pizza and says oh pizza which is a, a reaction that no one has ever had in the history of the world to pizza <laughs> but not only that you see a clown three clowns with a pizza box yeah, I mean, I could understand confusion, perhaps, but such disdain, such anger, I don't understand. <laughs> so Dave decides he's going to take Debbie home because this is no place for a woman. <laughs> you with your breastuses and your vagina. Meanwhile, you're the only one that had a brain in her head when she said, get the fuck out of this weird tent. But no, let's send her home because clearly she doesn't know what the fuck she's doing. And let me take your new boyfriend Yeah, like out this to is, the woods. This is not a pleasant idea. Even Mike Tobacco's like, he's going to take me out in the woods and shoot me. <laughs> what I do find interesting about this dynamic, though, with the three of them, it's like, I feel like a lot of times in movies in general, if they have a love triangle, there's usually one guy in the love triangle or one girl, mind you, that's clearly like the asshole that the person shouldn't pick. But Mike and Dave are both decent guys. I like their dynamic, too, when it's just the two of them, because they clearly both like Debbie, but they're also kind of like bonding over this craziness that they're experiencing together. Oh yeah, there's a line here where Dave looks at Mike. They got a real kick out of us where he looks at Mike. He goes, "Yeah, I guess Debbie chose uh, humor over stability." Yeah, that was. I was like, "Ooh, <laughs> that was like a really deep, unnecessary burn." Like, what the fuck, bro? <laughs> I didn't do shit to you. <laughs> like, why are you insulting me? And I'll have you know that sense of humor is a really sterling quality to have in a dude. So maybe you should lighten the fuck up. So they take Debbie home and Mike takes Dave back to the woods. We get a couple more clown kills. We get Shorty, the smallest clown, riding up to a bunch of bikers. Oh my god, this scene was super weird. The bikers like are insulting Shorty and break his bike and he's like, okay well, let's fight and the one big biker goes what you're gonna knock my block off and shorty fucking knocks his head off yeah and then what i found to be the most weird aspect of the scene is where after his head gets knocked off one of the many other bikers in this crowd in response to watching someone being beheaded by a giant clown looks at the situation and just goes damn and then that's it and i'm like that's your response to watching someone's head be kicked off of their body? Okay. Clearly, you've seen some really fucking gnarly shit in your life, bro. Another one is we go to Big Top Burger, our circus-themed burger joint. Of course. Where a little girl is being wooed. Groomed, some might call it. By a clown holding a hammer. It's very creepy and uh, predatory. But uh, luckily, mom swoops in and saves the day. And it's like, oh, honey, you can't leave until you finish your food. Mooney's starting to get calls about clowns all over town. This guy is a terrible officer. Terrible. He's getting multiple calls from people saying that violent clowns are outside their door. Some clown guy stole some guy's wife and put her in a balloon yeah like uh, fucking mooney instead of getting suspicion thing like mm, something must be wrong like what's going on he's like oh the whole town is in on some mass conspiracy to prank me and it's like what <laughs> even if you thought that you're a fucking police officer <laughs> Like, what are you doing? And, like, later in the fucking movie, he just, he's sitting in the office and the phones are lighting up like Christmas trees. And he's just sitting there like, <laughs> these people are fucking assholes. They're all fucking with me. It's like, what? No. No. I can't wait for you to die, sir. Like, you suck. <laughs> Whenever the clowns, like, kill somebody, they have this laugh. This laugh is fucking horrifying. 
it's such a fucking great sound. Like, I don't know who thought of it, but damn, it, it, it works. But Dave and Mike are driving along because they went to the woods and they found that the tent has disappeared. And there's just a big gaping hole in the middle of the woods, which is also very suspicious but Dave still is like oh Mike you son of a bitch you're fucking with me I'm gonna arrest you and bring you downtown so they're driving in the car and they drive past a bunch of other cars on the side of the road like all askew and abandoned and fucked so Dave gets out of the car and investigates and he finds that all the cars are like drowning in this cotton candy type material and we also find Bob McCreed, a.k.a. Christopher Titus's glasses, chilling in the car. So we assume that he is now deceased via the clowns. But <laughs> Mike Tobacco has another great fucking 50s style delivery here. When he's talking to Dave about the situation, he's like, oh, those are Bob McCreed's glasses. They got him. He's dead. And it's like, okay, I I gotta go. I gotta go, Mike Tobacco. I got somewhere to be. <laughs> hey guys, quick break from the main show. We just wanted to take a minute to show you all some kick-ass podcasts that Scott and I really enjoy. Check them out now. Hi, I'm Dietrich. I'm Alex. And I'm Ben. We're from the podcast That Song From That Movie, the journey through the very best and worst of movie songs. We want you to join us on our voyage across the cinematic sound waves as we take a deep dive on a new song and movie each week to figure out just what makes them tick. Already we've set sail with Celine Dion on the Titanic, found a friend in Toy Story, and gotten drenched out in the rain with Butch Cassidy and the Sundance Kid. Hopefully each breakdown allows us to answer the ultimate question of what's better, the movie or the song. Or at least learn something new along the way. Just like learning that Toy Story 4 is a meaningless cash grab without a soul. You can subscribe right now on all good podcast platforms. If you use one of the bad ones, then that's on you, and we can't be held responsible. Subscribe to that song from that movie. It's time to feel the rage. Join us on Film Rage, where we talk movies, current releases, coming attractions, streaming, and classic films as well. Directors and actors, beware as you cannot hide from the rage. My name is Bryce, and I'm part of the Film Rage crew, which also includes Jim. Hey, hey. And Murray. Yo. Why is it you always talk? All the time. I can't understand I why you're this, this, voice this is the merman, the voice of reason. These two can't agree on anything most of the time. Some movies are Mondo. Some are just Every week, something is going to make us rage. Join us every Wednesday and feel the rage. So Dave and Mike start driving back. And finally, Dave sees a killer clown performing shadow puppets. Oh, how delightful. The shadow puppet clown finally turns one of the shadows into a dinosaur who eats these bus passengers who were just waiting for the bus. Yeah, that was that was kind of a clever, cool little bit. Mike reacts and goes, run him over, run him over, and turns the car and the clown gets away. Yeah, Dave looks at him and he's like, what the hell? You could have got us killed. And he's like, I'm sorry. I lost it there for a second. It's like, okay, Mike, you got to calm down, bro. Like, clearly you are not good in a crisis. This is why Debbie should be with Dave, the stable policeman with the the sexy feathery hair. (laughs) So Dave and Mike call Mooney, who answers their call. And he's like, Mooney, there are clowns. People are dead. And Mooney's like, and what the goddamn to do? I'm not in on this joke. Fuck you. He's got some good little fucking lines in here. Yeah, definitely. The whoop de goddamn to do was like, that killed me. I was like, whoop de goddamn to do. Like, <laughs> I want that on a t shirt. <laughs> oh, God. So Mike sees the Terenzi brothers down the street. He goes, okay, you go back to the police station, Dave. I'll go get the Terenzi brothers and we'll start going to warn people. So Mike runs off and Dave starts his drive back to the police station. Now we cut back to the police station where a clown has walked in on Mooney. Oh, yes. And Mooney attempts to arrest this clown. And he says some really fucking out of pocket crazy shit. Like he he says, I'm going to shoot you right now. Just out of nowhere. Like the clown... Being a clown, you know, he shoots water 
out of like a flower on his lapel and it sprays Mooney in the face. And his response to that is, I'm going to shoot you right now. And I'm just like, whoa, you can't, you can't do that, sir. <laughs> well, it, it's so great because the comedy timing says the water hits him in the face, stops. Mooney looks at him and the water hits yeah, him. Yeah, so that was good. And then later on, he's like, you know, I'm supposed to read you your rights, but you're in Mooney's jail and you ain't got no rights. And it's like, what the fuck is this guy? Mooney eventually throws the clown behind bars, but the clown chokes him with a fucking like child blowout thing. Oh, yeah. Like those little party favors you get at kids' birthday parties. They go, and then it hits you with a little plastic thing. But this one grabs Mooney by the neck and smashes his head into the cell. Dave finally gets back to the police station. And there are footprints all over the PlayStation, all over the walls, the floor. Starts backing out and realizes one of the clowns is just sitting there in a chair with a dummy Mooney. Yeah, his cheeks have been painted red and there's blood running down from the corners of his mouth to make it look like he's a legit old-timey dummy, which I thought was really clever. And it's a really creepy moment because it's just kind of like a quiet moment where Mooney is sitting on his lap and the clown is manipulating him like a dummy and making him talk. And then he just leans forward and he's like, don't worry, Dave, we just want to kill you. And it's like, oh, fuck. Well, it's also crazy because to this point, the clowns have spoken like this high pitched voice where you can't really understand them. But. The actor who plays Mooney went to the director and was like, hey, can I do it in my own voice? I think it would be creepier that way. And it's just so much creepier with him saying it. I Yeah, I agree. So Dave starts shooting at the clown who's now coming at him and finds out that when you shoot the clowns in the nose, they die. Ah, oh, that's clever. You gotta get the big red nose on the clown. It's like a big target in the video game. So Dave finally gets up and calls the state troopers going, hey, guys, I know this sounds crazy, but there are killer clowns killing everybody. Send everybody. The Terenzi brothers are trying to be convinced by Mike that there are killer clowns. And they run up on a clown parade. And the clowns are just sucking up random people they have killed and cocooned. Cocoons? You mean cotton candy cocoons? I mean cotton candy cocoons. It's crazy because there's so many of them. They're throwing them out of the windows so this giant fucking vacuum can fucking suck them up. One guy jumps out from under a car to try and get to the Terenzi Brothers ice cream truck and he gets shot and cocooned in a cotton candy cocoon. So the Terenzi's like, ah! And they, they fucking run. So Mike is now like, let's go get Debbie. And Terenzi's like, no, let's, we're not going to get Debbie. What do you mean? We're getting, he's like, come on, man. Does Debbie have any hot, like, roommates? Oh, yeah, two buxom blondes with double D tits. Let's go. <laughs> and the boys are like, all right. They're just horrible. Like, even before that, when they're introduced, they're on a double date with these two girls. And later on in the movie, right before Mike approaches them, they're on their own. They fucked off from the girls. And they go, oh, well, why don't we go back and find the girls and hang out with them? And the other brother is like, oh, forget about the girls. They eat too much. And it's like, oh, that's so yucky. Why would you say that? They're they're bad horn dogs. While this is all going on, Debbie decided since she's stuck in the house waiting for Mike and Dave to return, she's going to take a shower. But it turns out the popcorn transforms into like little clown beasts. Ah, yes, some good old-fashioned puppetry. (laughs) They're creepy clown faces that are just attacking Debbie. Eventually, they encase her in a balloon, and they tie her to the back of their car, and that's, of course, when the Terenzi brothers finally show up with Mike. Yeah, we get a random uh, car chase scene in this fucking killer clown movie. (laughs) They're chasing the clown car in an ice cream car, and then Dave sees the ice cream car, so he starts chasing the ice cream car. Oh my god, it's a whole big mess. And then finally the Terenzi brothers notice that they're being followed by a cop. So they break, causing Dave to run into the back of the car, destroying the cop car. They finally take the ice cream car and go, where could the clown car have gone to? Oh, the actual circus that's in town. (laughs) 
You serious? How convenient is that, by the way? Convenient as hell. But we are wrapping up. This is an 88-minute movie, so we got to get towards the end here. Uh, we got to wrap this baby up tight. The clowns arrive at the circus where they are greeted by a security guard. Who <laughs> says another really great uh, fucking... <laughs> 50s horror movie-esque line. They, oh, as the clowns get out of the car, they all pull pies, and he looks at all these clowns and goes, what are you going to do with those pies, boys? And he, <laughs> he proceeds to get pelted with pies that are actually acid pies that dissolve him to the ground. You know, acid pies, that's a thing that anyone with any brains would know about you don't know about acid pies those are the best pies from pushing daisies i'll have you know <laughs> only five people are gonna get that joke it's only like 15 people watched pushing daisies i was one of them that's the one where the guy like can touch people and they come back to life and tell them how he died yeah yeah finally mike dave and the terenzi brothers arrive at the big top circus and proceed to go into the circus to try and find Deb. The Terenzi brothers get separated almost immediately after Dave repeatedly warns them to stick together. They fall into a ball pit and are found by two female clowns. Yeah, and it's funny because later when they come back, there's lipstick and clown makeup all over their faces and they look all disheveled. So I guess they fucked the clowns. Uh, yeah, okay. That's really great <laughs> Dave and Mike finally go back to the cocoon room and there are a lot more cocoons in there this time more cotton candy cocoons you would say yes a lot more cotton candy cocoons how many more cotton candy cocoons There's tons of cotton candy cocoons oh my god so all of the cotton candy cocoons that one could cocoon it's so many cotton candy cocoons we refuse to count all the cotton candy cocoons. There are an immeasurable amount of cotton candy cocoons <laughs> in this cotton candy cocoon room full of cotton candy cocoons. If anyone can actually count out how many times we say cotton candy cocoons in this episode, I'll send you something. <laughs> it's ridiculous. <laughs> I'll send you something. My undying love and gratitude. <laughs> it turns out we see one of the clowns approach one of the cotton candy cocoons and <laughs> drink blood out of it by putting a crazy silly straw through it. So they are there to eat us. But Dave and Mike find Debbie and free her from her balloon. Ah, uh, yes. And she says a, a comment later as they're running away from the clown. She's like, no one's going to put me in a balloon again. And I, all I could think of was like, ah, no one puts baby in a corner and no one puts Debbie in a goddamn balloon. Nobody. Nobody makes me bleed my own blood. Nobody. So yes, this leads to our final like chase sequence where they're being chased through the big top circus. Oh my god, they're running and running and running and the base keeps running, running and, and running, 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 running forever. Forever. They it's go so annoying. They go through a balloon room. There's a gag where they have to go through a set of doors and the bike keeps pulling and goes Another door? Oh my god, another uh, great another delivery. <laughs> another great delivery from Mikey Tabaki. It's, oh, it's so great. Another door? They slide down a pole that almost get eaten by what looks like a sarlacc. Finally, they get to a room and they get surrounded by clowns. But who punches through that wall in their ice cream truck? The Terenzi brothers. Ah, they may be sexist perverts and they may have fucked some alien clowns, but you know what? They saved the fucking day. That's, so it's all okay. It's all fine. It's all fine. Their predatory behavior is totally excusable now because they saved the day. That's the lesson, kids. Do what you want as long as you save the day at the end. So they blast through the wall and because there's a giant clown on top of the ice cream truck it confuses all of the other clowns but this leads to clownzilla appearing ah now fun fact about clownzilla he is an even more giant clown in this alien race and he's extra special creepy but he was originally intended to be a stop-motion character, but was instead portrayed by Charles Kyoto, one of the Kyoto brothers, in a rubber suit. Hey, anything to do to save money, right? 
Clownzilla destroys the ice cream truck, throwing it around. There's a the great line as he's approaching. Mike, Dave, and Debbie all get off the ice cream truck. They like, they tell the Terenzi brothers, like, come on, guys, get out of the truck. And they're like, we can't. It's a rental. That was a good one, yeah. That was a more, like, sitcom line more than anything, but it still gave me the, the chuckles. So they are still in the, the ice cream truck as Clownzilla throws it and it blows up. So you think the Terenzi brothers are supposedly dead. Clownzilla is now looking at our three heroes and they're like, oh, God, we're going to die. So Dave's like, I'll sacrifice myself. You guys get out of here through the hole the Terenzi brothers created. So Dave is shooting at Clownzilla. Mike and Debbie run out of the ship. Yeah, and she's like, no, Dave, don't do it. We can all make it out. And he's like, go, Debbie, you woman. You don't belong in here. I need to sacrifice myself to save you because I am the man. <laughs> I am the stable man. Uh. <laughs> Debbie and Mike leave into the arms of the state troopers. This big top starts spinning to go into the sky Dave gets picked up by Clownzilla. He takes his badge and pops Clownzilla's nose, killing Clownzilla. The big top blows up and a clown car comes crashing to the ground. All the cops pull their guns in the clown car, but who exits out? Dave and the Terenzi brothers. Yay! Fun fact, that wasn't the original ending of the movie. The original ending, it had the Terenzi brothers surviving, but Dave actually was supposed to die after killing the giant clown, Zilla. But apparently test audiences wanted something a little more upbeat, which I can understand because this whole movie is like a fucking big sick joke of a movie. So like, let's not get too crazy here. Let's just have a fun, happy ending with our killer clown movie. So yeah, that's killer clowns from outer space. Yes, everybody lives and everybody gets hit with pies. Woo! Yes, well, this whole town's dead, <laughs> except for like these four people. Yeah, right? Yeah, pretty much. I mean, there's like a handful of people left, including our, our real trio supreme. Fuck the Harry Potter trio. Oh, this is our trio supreme. Mike, if Harry Potter was named Mike Tobacco... We'd be set. Voldemort would have been killed in movie two. <laughs> so I, I got a kick out of this movie. It's definitely spoofing slash paying homage to the old 50s horror type movie. The bad acting, the weird effects, the strange concepts, the monsters that are bizarro. It, it all kind of fits in that genre. But it's a funny thing because this also is... I've heard this described as the best starter horror movie. Because it's not, it's scary, but it's not too scary. It's got some funny moments. It's got some weird goofiness to it. Yeah, I would say that. But then again, I don't even know, like, I don't know if I would call this like a straight horror movie, to be honest. That's why it's like a starter. It's like Yeah, I mean, I would call it, uh, I don't know what I would call it. I guess it fits more in horror, but there's... I don't know. I don't know if I would call it like a comedy with horror elements or a horror with comedy elements. It kind of is... It could fit in either category. Yeah, like. it blurs that line. Yeah. But um, I don't disagree with that statement that it's a good starter movie for horror fans. I'm not a big horror movie gal, but uh, I had fun with this. But then again, I wasn't like really that scared of it. The clowns are definitely creepy, but I wasn't scared to the point where I was like uncomfortable like with other horror movies that I've seen. The kills are inventive. They're fun kills. Yeah, definitely. I would say that. Scott, what, what did you rate this movie? I have it as a 3.5. Okay. I gave it a solid 3 out of 5. I was pleasantly surprised. I thought this was going to be like, uh, whatever. But I, I had a decent amount of fun with it. I think if you could get a bunch of people together... Have a couple of drinks. If you threw this on like a fucking like drive-in like movie theater kind of screen and just had a good time with it, just bust them with a bunch of friends, you'd have a good time with this fucking movie. The, I know the Kyoto brothers have wanted to do a sequel for fucking ever. Oh, yeah. It's been in development hell from what I understand for years. It's supposed to be called Return of the Killer Clowns from Outer Space in 3D. They've had it pitched as a movie, as a TV series as a set of movies. And basically what he said is 
it would take place 30 years after this movie, so it would be a new set of people who'd be like, oh, God, we've never dealt with these killer clowns before, and then suddenly Mike Tobacco would show up. Oh, that's cool. And Debbie would be there, but she's busy being off married with three kids with fucking Dave, because at the end of this movie, we didn't even mention, they're just together again, Dave and fucking Debbie. And meanwhile, Mike Tobacco's standing there like, oh, hi, guy. Aren't we glad we got through this crazy ordeal? And meanwhile, Dave is just like kissing Debbie like, uh, what? we were making out in my raft earlier. Like, what of my raft? <laughs> what, what of my raft and what of my shaft, Debbie? <laughs> well, I, I, well, I think their plan was that they were going to do like three movies. So the first movie would be Mike Tobacco and these new group of people. The second movie would be another group of people in a different part of the country with Debbie being the heroine. Oh, And then another movie with Dave. So they all separated and ended up saving the world from the killer clowns. That's kind of cool. So, hey, I hope it happens because you know what? Yeah, I hope we get something someday. Because this is a lot of fun. This is a for sure, like, turn your brain off type movie and just enjoy and have fun. Yeah, it's earned its status of cult. So next week, we're actually going to have a very a special episode here at Shoot the Flick. It's going to be an episode not just of me showing Scott a movie, but it's also going to be our celebratory episode for our little puppy dog's birthday or Yay! gotcha day, I should say. That's right. We will be celebrating our doggy Leia's gotcha day by watching a movie that has to do with some delightful little poochies. So if you're a big dog person or a cat person or an aminal person of any sort, be sure to tune in, especially next week. But until then, this has been Shoot the Flick, an official Paradoja podcast. I'm Frankie Sparks. I'm Scott Tobacco. No. Make sure you check us out on Instagram and Twitter at Shoot the Flick and check out our weekly episodes every single Wednesday on iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcast, and iHeartRadio, or pretty much anywhere else you can find a podcast. And make sure you come back next week for our doggone pupperific movie adventures. Make them laugh, make them laugh. Don't you know everyone wants to laugh? <laughs> my dad said, be an actor, my son. But be a comic one Come on, Mike! Another door! Another door! <laughs>